Welcome to my podcast. This is David Suisa, and today, straight from Sudan. I'm delighted to have with us Tim Burke with the organization Israel. Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, it's funny. I, I have a lot of guests on this show, and a lot of them come from L.A., New York, Jerusalem. Never, ever from Sudan. You're <laughs> a kid from Texas who ended up living in South Sudan, which is one of the darkest places on earth, um, subject of genocide stories for years now, and you were right there. How did you end up in Sudan? Uh, it's kind of a funny story. I, I played soccer in college here, a small school in North Carolina, and uh, my teammate was South Sudanese uh, player. Ended up becoming very close with him. Um, he even lived with my family for a bit after school. Um, when he moved back to South Sudan in 2011, when they gained independence, the newest country in the world, uh, about six months afterwards, he found the woman he wanted to marry. He said, Tim, you have to come and be... be he met her on J-Date? On J-Date. Just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so I, uh, I couldn't, couldn't refuse. Uh, you know, this is one of my best friends. So I said, of course, I'll be there for, for your wedding. So you flew to Sudan for his wedding? Flew to Sudan for his wedding. And next thing I know, I'm there for, for six years. And you so didn't come back? I didn't come That's back. That's an incredible uh, story. Uh, now, did you, had you graduated by then? I graduated. Uh, I had also gone to graduate school. So mm -hmm. it was right after I finished graduate school. And I was looking for work internationally. And I thought it was an opportunity. You didn't even come back to pack or anything. You just stayed. Just kept it moving. Yeah. Uh, first, before we get into the serious stuff, tell us about the wedding. How's the food? Oh, wow. Uh, food is amazing. It's Why? Uh, what was it? A lot of bamiya and a lot of... Uh, bamiya? What's bamiya? Uh, okra. A lot of okra. Okay. And, um, a lot of peanuts. Peanuts are in everything. If you're allergic uh -huh. to peanuts, don't Watch go to out. South Sudan. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the wedding was amazing. It was almost 3,000 people attended. Uh, outdoors? Outdoors, yeah. For, you can't fit that many people in a, in a hall. And uh, lots of traditional singing and dancing. And how long did it last? About three days. Oh, my God. Yeah. Who was the rabbi? Um, sorry. Who, uh, who officiated? So uh, this was a, a Christian wedding. So he's uh -huh. a, a Christian individual. Um, it was through the Episcopal Church. Okay. So, yeah. His father is actually the, the former archbishop of, of South Sudan. So. Uh -huh. Boy, would I have wished to witness that wedding. 3,000 people. Did yeah. you, what was the highlight from the highlight, oh man, I think uh, dancing all night. Once the drums start in the evening, Seriously? they don't stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a oh lot man. of jumping, a lot of jumping. Well, I, I would actually thinking now we should just do a podcast on the wedding, but let's <laughs> let, let's go to the serious stuff because sure. Israel is an incredibly serious organization. I met one of the founders a few years ago here, and she was telling me how right in the it was during the the worst part of this of the war in Syria and they were entering so just summarize for our listeners um, very quickly what Israel does sure so Israel is um, a humanitarian organization that started in 2001 uh, we're operating in, in 17 countries now uh, and it's based it was started in Israel started in Israel the headquarters is in Tel Aviv um, we have well over, I think, 300 staff now. Um, How and many countries? In 
17 now, but we've operated in roughly uh, 45 since the operation Right, started. because you, you will send a team, right? Like the, the, the fires we had up north? Yeah, so we have kind of two separate uh, teams that we send out. We have one is the first respondents. So we try to be within 72 hours anywhere in the world after a disaster hits to kind of the first medical response or um, to assess the situation. And then we have a second kind of teams where the more longer term programs that, that look on recovery. So helping um, individuals, communities, nations kind of uh, recover after disasters. And that's what you did in Sudan, right? So, well, South Sudan's a little bit a little bit different because it's emergencies and long term recovery at the same time. Um, so tell us tell us your two years because you were in Sudan for six years. You worked for another organization for four, and then. You met Israel. What was it like these past two years? Yeah, well, uh, working with Israel was was a privilege. It was kind of an eye opener. I I had um, met the former country director there and and talked with her for a while and saw that you know a lot of the other larger international organizations have a, a lot of bureaucracy that's kind of tied with them and it seems a bit difficult to do some some of the immediate work that needs to be done sometimes. So I took advantage of a, a wonderful opportunity to work with Israel because of the way they operate. It's kind of an entrepreneurial spirit that I think uh, a lot of Israelis have. And give and us a picture of what your job looked like. Where did you sleep? Were you in a tent? Uh, who was around you? And what was the pain and suffering that you had to deal with? Yeah, so um, our headquarters in the South Sudan office is in Juba, but we operate in six other states. Um, when we're, you know, when we go to field uh, missions, whether it's seeing an assessment or deploying or some of our field offices, often you're going in a convoy, a UN convoy, where there's security um, oh, before and after, and you have to get permission because sometimes these are in rebel-controlled areas right. and other things. So usually you would sleep at a, either like a hospital or a church uh, with other humanitarian organizations. So. Mm usually bring a tent and some pots to cook with. You know. This is so interesting to me because you have different organizations trying to accomplish a similar goal, right? Mm -hmm. So how, did, how, how do you fit into that Yeah, without overlapping too much? That is one of the most complicated things about humanitarian aid is, is the coordination. Um, it's really important that you don't duplicate uh, same programs or also you don't leave gaps behind. So. Where we kind of uh, have found our, our closest niches in, in two kind of sectors is one is uh, medical kind of first response, medical traditions and, and protection. So psychosocial support for children and also uh, people that have uh, survived gender-based violence. So with this kind of Israeli know-how, I think it's some things that Israelis are really strong at, very strong medical field as well as uh, water fields. but. We have some of the strongest uh, social workers, I think, around the world. Post-traumatic exactly. stress disorders. In fact, a few years ago, there was a uh, local pastor in L.A., and the consul general at the time, David Siegel, they launched a program where they would bring in a um, trauma expert from, El from Israel to work in the inner cities of L.A. because they had such expertise in dealing with trauma. Mm that the pastor was using that expertise, that know-how from Israel. So you're talking about something similar, right? Exactly. But the, is the language a problem? Uh, yeah. So a lot of what we use for, for Israelis that come in and do this technical training is with South Sudanese social workers. So we do a mm -hmm. lot of capacity building with the Ministry of Gender, where social workers work, and also with 
partners that we work with. And they speak English. And they speak English. So we'll have Israelis that come in and, and work directly with these social workers to help improve their capacity and skills on whether it's case management, how to handle difficult issues. And, things and, like and, you're, and you're the, give, us, give me an example of one of the stories that really moved you the most in, while you were there. Sure. There's um, one story. Usually we don't like to talk a lot about these things because of confidentiality, but we do have permission to talk about this one particular story. And I've changed the name. I'll, I'll give her a name of Miss Lona. So Miss Lona was in a western part of South Sudan. And she, uh, during one of the, the conflicts that broke out in 2015 in that area, unfortunately her, along with many others, were abducted from a rebel group and were in, uh, basically uh, captured for, for two years. Um, she was a, a survivor of, of gender-based violence, many other mm -hmm. things. And after long negotiations with that community and, and the group, she was able to return back to her community after two years. Um, and when she returned, she had a, an unplanned pregnancy um, from from some of these survivor issues. So she obviously she was sexually assaulted. Yes. Right. Yes. So after uh, a lot of you know, you can imagine there's a lot of psycho psychosocial issues with with such an event, and integrating back into the community is not something very s simply done, especially with stigma ties with a lot of these things. So. Right. Um, after some time, this, this case was kind of identified with some of our social workers, and she began to, to kind of talk and slowly integrate back into the community. And our case with our social workers, she, she was able to, to slowly gain a little bit more confidence and, and work with this. How many months pregnant was she when you were? Uh, she was about six months, okay. from, my, from my recall. So after time, we have these, these programs that our social workers run. It's called uh, Women and Girls Safe uh, safe spaces. So we're, we have activities where they can talk about different events affecting them, um, you know, whatever it may be that the women want to talk about at that time, and also have some small, um, you know, activities for, for income generating, learning how to build soap while they're, while they're doing these things. And over time, she actually became very engaged um, with this women's group and became kind of a community organizer for this. So she really became a bit And she had the baby? She had the baby. Um, who was, uh, again, I think she, she had mentioned a few times that she was very thankful that a lot of these income-generating activities were able to, to support the child and who's now in school. And these wow, other how old is the kid now? Uh, now the kid would, I would be probably about three years old. Mm -hmm. But eventually, um, after Miss Luna gained enough confidence, she decided that she wanted to go into the field of social work, if possible. Mm -hmm. So through one of our partner organizations, she, she got a job as a social worker, and she has been trained by Israeli um, social workers now. Um, she's one of the lead social workers with this organization and, and is now you know, eager to learn and continue, continue to work forward. So she's you know, really um, a, powerful, I, a powerful, powerful person and, and such a resilient woman. How's her English? Her English is... is Pretty good. Yeah, yeah we should. I'd, I'd love to interview her. Shani, we have a new system now with the phones, so we can really, literally, we can do an interview with her okay. straight from the Sudan. It would be just fascinating to me because she got the, the help, hmm. and now she's ready to give back based on the trauma that she faced herself, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, tell me another story, something uh, that was really traumatic that kind of shook you up a little bit uh, without using names? Well, I think uh, maybe not 
not as traumatic, but there has been a lot of success stories of, of these women's groups. And you deal about. mostly with women there? Uh, well, we have a few programs. Uh, our largest is protection, so it's child protection programs. And uh, what does that programs. mean, child protection? Uh, so child protection emergencies. So, for example, um, after displacement, mm-hmm. after displacement, um, you know, after a conflict may break out, people often either run to neighboring countries, or they become refugees, or they become internally displaced. Mm. Um, when people are internally displaced, uh, there's often no schools, so children can't attend schools. So one big program that Israel Aid runs in many countries is called child-friendly spaces. And the idea of these is not necessarily to supplement education, but it's the time in between to keep children in a kind of a, a regular routine where they can do basic learning, but they're in a safe place and they have uh, kind of social workers and community mobilizers that work with them to do day-to-day activities, whether it's counting ABCs or playing soccer or whatever it may be. So um, we do a lot of these activities, and also um, these are places where we can identify cases of gender-based violence, abuse, and other things to work with children. Did you experience any, any violence because there's so much war that goes on? Yeah, unfortunately, a few times I, uh, I've been in the middle of, of uh, tough situations. So I like think what? the most recent was in 2016. Um, un- unfortunately, after a, a kind of a soft peace agreement, um, uh, war had broke out again in Juba, uh, in South Sudan. And the particular neighborhood I was in was uh, Jebel, which was in kind of where this, the fighting had kind of really gotten bad. Um, so the house that I was living in, which is the cousins of, of my friend that right. I went there originally for, um, we spent three days going back and forth between government-controlled and opposition-controlled uh, kind of territory where, you know... Who knows who knows where, what is safe at yeah, that point, right? Yeah, exactly, and, and RPG had hit our water tank just above, and, you know, the walls were, were a bit destroyed when we're inside, and you're not knowing what's going to happen next. It's a pretty pretty terrifying situation that I hope no one uh, really has to I mean, you know, you're looking at these two completely opposite sides of life. You have a wedding for 3,000 that lasts three days, and then you get a bomb that hits, you know, your backyard. Yeah, I mean, people... What did he say, your friend? Was he scared? Of course. I mean, it's it's not a situation anyone wants to be in. Did he tell you stories about how his family and how they've been able to brave this sort of nightmare situation? Have they been impacted? Absolutely. I mean, w- even during this time I was talking about, his, he had just found out his wife was pregnant at okay. this time, too, when it yeah. was like a few days before. Um, but yeah, I mean, the f- you know, South Sudanese have been, unfortunately, at war with Sudan for four decades before this. And now they're, um, again, there's been some fighting amongst themselves. Are the Christians especially vulnerable? Um, in this situation, it's it's more political mm. than anything. I think there's been some sway trying to make it um, more tribal than, than it may be and more um, religious than it may be. So. I bet you a lot of those 3,000 guests at the wedding were had fear in the back of their mind as they were celebrating because who knows what can happen, right? Absolutely. I mean, you're always on edge there, and this is where some of that trauma kind of comes into play. And You know, it's South Sudanese are so resilient in the sense that uh, in some some ways, they're the most joyous people. Uh, you can have an amazing time with them. And at the same time, uh, you can see how, how many 
difficult life chance, uh, life difficulties they have to go through from day to day, from losing children to to cousins. To, you know, and every malaria. person you talk to has a has a story. Malaria is terrible. Yeah, I know, I know. I spent four days in Uganda, and I saw exactly what you're talking about: the resilience, the combination of hardy, you know, hardened experience, and they find joy anywhere they can find it. You know, and they dance and they sing. It's incredible the the juxtaposition of danger and joy that they go through. Now, going back on Israel, mm. Sudan is not necessarily representative of everything Israel does, right? Because you have a division for engineering and all kinds of other services, right? Yeah. So Israel is is mostly in in three main sectors as a global is protection, as I mentioned before, is child protection, emergencies, and gender-based violence. Um, water, sanitation, and hygiene, um, which is called WASH. So we have some very good uh, water engineers. And uh, the third is kind of the medical response, so very strong medical facilities. Um, in the South Sudan office, we have roughly 60 staff, and majority of our programs are in protection, but we also do some education programs. Um, so we have uh, a new de uh, department we opened with Juba University, along with STEM Synergy which is the biggest, uh, has the biggest solar, uh, solar field in the country. Um, and we do a lot of programs with the university there. And the third is kind of these livelihood activities to, to kind of create more resiliency and increase people's day-to-day -day income generating activities. So you go based on whatever they need, right? Do you, do you know anything about Syria? Because that's been so much in the news lately. Are you still in Syria? Well, I don't think we... Because that's look under the radar. Yeah, we... A lot of our programs deal with the refugee crisis coming out of Syria. So I know we have two separate programs in Greece and Lesbos. Right. So um, there's a lot of uh, respondents there working with the refugee population. And you're in Iraq too, I think, right? We do have a, a program in Iraq. What are you doing there in Iraq? From my understanding, I think it's similar to the educational program. So they're mm -hmm. working with uh, some of the internally displaced, um, doing STEM education. Uh, that. So, providing so you've met a lot of Israelis, right, the past many, few years? Many, many, many. What can you tell us about how they work? Israelis are, are very funny. Yeah, so being an American, it was, it was very interesting working with Israelis. They're very compassionate. That's uh, number one about what they do. Um, they're also very, very entrepreneurial. I think um, looking at, at an uh, uh, a challenge is often very almost fun, I think, for Israelis, because a, a difficult challenge means there's a creative solution. Uh -huh. um, so that's one thing I've definitely learned with Israelis. And, um, and you haven't met Israelis before, right? I had met them on a very personal level like this, but I've, I've met so many since and, and been impressed. So at our last uh, program director in the South Sudan office, a very amazing woman, Imbal Hermani, um, she was leading, you know, kind of the capacity building for a lot of our protection programs as a social worker. She, she didn't necessarily want to leave, but had a calling to leave to go back to Israel because she's now the head of the social workers union in Israel. Wow. So we're, we're working with some very professional individuals that are that are volunteering and, and working full time with us. Now, uh, Tim, tell me about your life. I mean, you're not Israeli. I don't think you're Jewish. So I do have some Jewish roots. I, you can see my... Uh, you're my, from Texas, right? Originally from Texas, yeah. My last name is Burke, but it's spelled B-E-R-K-E. Okay, Berkovich. Exactly. Uh huh. Um, so, you know, meeting meeting some of the uh, Israelis and and learning a bit about uh, 
heritage and and I, I got a bit you know questioning uh, this background my family had as well and also being in South Sudan people know you know a thousand year back you know, right. they know their name they can name 15 different names so I you know I got to talking to Inbal who I was just talking about and and some others and I thought it'd be really important to go learn a bit more about my heritage so I, I learned that uh, my family had immigrated um, the Berkowitz from Poland, from Gdansk. And I'd never been to Poland. I never really heard uh, much about this side of my family. So I kind of organized a family trip. Uh, like, Let's go figure m a bit more about this. And so we, d we did a wonderful trip. We went to Krakow. Uh, How long ago? This was about two years ago. Okay. That's when I kind of first started interacting with some Israelis. It was, yeah, it was a very powerful trip for me and I think my 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 father and my mother it was yeah, emotional in a lot of sense but also very empowering yeah. did you f find out if you had any Jewish ancestors yes yes we did uh, it turns out even um, uh, I guess on my uh, a great grandfather of mine was also a, a, a union organizer in New York uh, that that was a uh, you definitely Jewish. have Jewish roots yeah of yeah, course that's yeah, now yes. official <laughs> yeah welcome to the tribe thank you thank you right. speaking of tribes um, I wanted to uh, bring up something that you've just started in Los Angeles mm -hmm. which is to expand the network of volunteers it's something that you're already doing in Israel which is basically you have access to all kinds of different volunteers, whether in the area of medical or engineering or whatever is needed, right? And people that you might be able to access on a short-term or long-term basis. And I think you had an event last night, correct? Exactly. So that's why uh, I came here to, to L.A. for the first time, um, was for this launching of the, the Israeli Aid Humanitarian Professionals Network. So this is an international network of professionals at the vanguard of global aid relief activities. So members of IH IHPN receive expert briefings, emergency preparedness trainings, access to enrichment with field leaders, priority access to deploy on Israel aid missions. So this is kind of a, a leap off in Israel. We have uh, kind of a, a list of 1,500 uh, Israeli professionals that can really contribute to the humanitarian field that we can call on. So this is whether it's engineers, uh, social workers, uh, uh, medical, psychologists, medical. Nurses, psychology. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So yesterday was the launch here in L.A. Uh, where we're trying to start this movement here as well to build up this repertoire. How did it go? It went wonderfully. We had, uh, we had a lot of surgeons. We had uh, a lot of social workers that had emergency response um, background. We had some uh, professors from UCLA come. So it was... It was amazing to see the turnout uh, and the Did people that some are excited. of them enlist. Did they show interest? So we have now, as of the first uh, first launching, we have forty people enlisted, and wow. we would also like to invite, you know, any of the listeners here to also check out the website and. What's and the website? Israel Aid. Just get on Israel Aid, Google Israel Aid, and you'll you'll um, you'll get all the information you need. But it's really. Uh, I mean, it's like an adventure, wouldn't it be? I mean, could you imagine if somebody just calls you and says, hey, you know, we need a nurse. We're flying up to Northern California. There's a disaster area, and can you come tomorrow? I mean, is that the kind of thing that they can expect exactly. for emergencies? Exactly. So out of this, we're trying to network with one another and also build skills for people that are interested. So we're not going to just send people without right. any experience, but we want to we make sure that have people are prepared and have some hands-on training.
before being deployed. Um, but yeah, so there would be a few few aspects. So when we talk about participating, in, let's say if you're a social worker, maybe maybe you'd be willing and able to go abroad and work at some of our programs. Depending there. on which language you know and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe you would be able to respond to emergency here in California, like some of the wildfires right mm -hmm. afterwards. Or maybe, you know, it's a real problem, too, is if some of our social workers that are continuing to do this, they do get secondary trauma from listening to very tough situations mm -hmm. all the time. So maybe you can work with some of our uh, social workers. So that's just one example. Um, but our next launch, our next uh, program is here in L.A. is on February 21st. It's for the same organization, the uh, IHPN? Yeah, for okay. the Israel Aid Humanitarian Professional Network. So we really want to encourage everyone to be to be a part of that, look into it, see if it's something you'd be interested in. It'll be in Jewish Journal calendar. Wonderful, right. wonderful. Happy to hear that. And then we'll also go be in the next three or four months, we'll be opening another chapter in the Bay Area. And then early in 2019, we'll be trying to expand this, this pr uh, network of, of professionals into New York as well. Okay, uh, where do you get most of your funding? I mean, you have private donors? and Yeah, it's a bit all over the place. So we get funding from, from individuals, from other networks. Uh, we also, like in South Sudan, a lot of our funding is from the UN. So we have UNHCR and UNICEF su support a lot of our funds. Um, and you got a cutting-edge grant this year in L.A. from Jewish Community Foundation which is helping you start this whole network. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the, the grant which helped kickstart this network right here. So gotcha. a big thank you to them. Yeah. yeah, good for them. Well, this was great. What's on tap for you now in the next chapter of your life? I know you're getting a PhD, right? Urban planning? Yeah, yeah. So I just moved back to the States. It's been a little bit of adjustment. Um, After six years in Sudan. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm very happy I got married last November. Um, uh, so just a few months ago, and three thousand people at the wedding. Actually, <laughs> that's that's uh, that'll be happening in the near future. My wife is from South Sudan originally, and oh, grew wow. up in the UK. Y so where did you meet her? In South Sudan. Oh so wow! She just moved back here. And did you have the wedding already? We did a, a small wedding, just a, a kind of a quick one here with a few family and friends, because uh, we know that the larger wedding will be in South Sudan, and we have to do the tradition. Invite me. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. So you're going to do a real big wedding in Sudan, just the way we started this podcast. Exactly. It's fantastic. And uh, three days, right? Three days. You're absolutely welcome. Okay, great. Kosher food? Sure, why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. a lot of okra. <laughs> Anyways, Tim, God bless you. Uh, really, uh, you're doing amazing work. And I got to tell you, I just didn't know. I knew about Israel, but I had no idea. They were in 17 countries, and they did all this amazing humanitarian work. So it's uh, it's really, this is Tikkun Olam at its highest. Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, for those listeners out there, please look into the the Professionals Network if you're interested in, in doing so. Or it's a movement, so you should be a part of it. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>